Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. How are you doing today, Andrew? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. There's a weird yellow object up in the sky in Ireland. We're not used to it. We're, we're thinking of replacing our local gods with this thing because it has decided to come out. It's wonderful. It's not raining. It's sun shining. So uh, I'm sorry, not. I'm great, buddy. How are you? Doing good. Just been busy with family stuff. Uh, hoping the sun's out um, in June during ETE over there so we can see it as well from the Irish uh, point of view. Um, uh, it'll be raining. There's no point in looking forward to anything when you come here, but however. Oh, great. So, more rainy weather. Uh, kind of like when I was in London last year, probably. Um, but anyways, uh, today we have Kenji um, Ovada on from from Turbo, formerly known as Spoon. Um, you know, he's, he's had quite a history, so let's go ahead and just introduce our, our uh, guest today. How you doing, Kenji? Good. How are you? Doing, doing pretty good. Um, you kind of have a, an interesting background. So, you know, <laughs> mathematician, entrepreneur, you went to Yale and Ber- Berkeley, yep. you know, classically trained in violin, piano. You're a pilot as well, because I always see the pictures on Twitter um, of you posting and talking about uh, flying around and going place to place. But you've also had some um, interesting history as well um, on, the, on the IT side. So tell us about yourself. <laughs> That's a good intro. Um, yeah, so I was, uh, I guess I was a, uh, a mathematician by training. Uh, and, uh, you know, I went off to, um, um, as I mentioned, I went to Yale and I actually got a job at Microsoft out of college. That was my first job. Uh, and I uh, was working on uh, search engines and what became um, SharePoint, SharePoint Portal Server. So, uh, Jeff Teeper, who's now, Hello. I think, a SVP or something over at Microsoft. Uh, was actually was I was with an intern and he was with my first uh, sort of program manager, you know, on the some little feature um, in SharePoint. Um, and I, uh, although I'd wanted to go into academia, so I, I went back to grad school and did the uh, did the grad school thing. Uh, actually, the very uh, early seeds of what would eventually became Turbo um, started at Berkeley, and. Um, you know, like many programs, they have a, a kind of a distributional requirement where, you know, even if, you know, I was doing theory and, and math and statistics, but, you know, they, you, have to do some, you have to do a certain amount of systems and a certain amount of AI and so forth. And uh, when I was doing my systems project, um, I was in a class actually with Eric Brewer, uh, who did, um, no, I can't remember the name, but one of the big search engines. And, and now, of course, he's uh, heavy in, at Google and containers and things. Um, but uh, I was doing a systems project around um, uh, what I was calling statistical garbage collection. But it was uh, the first time where I uh, had a chance to interact with the .NET framework. Um, and so this is kind of where the story starts. Um, uh, I saw this is .NET. This is a very early version of .NET before it kind of um, uh, had, had taken off. And I thought, wow, this is a really, this is a really great way to, to make software. This is, you know, it has a lot of cool stuff in it. Uh, so I kind of um, got the .NET bug at that point. And, um, and for this project, we were, I was learning a lot about the internals and, of .NET and, and how things worked um, with the JIT and with the uh, <coughs> CLR libraries. And uh, um, you know, one thing really struck me. It's like I said, I, I actually decided at that point that probably .NET was going to become um, you know, the way that, that, that software was going to be written on the Windows platform. And today that sounds like a non, um, you know, that sounds like a non-statement, but back then, every, you know, if you said, I, you know, I told the other Microsoft people I was writing code in .NET and they would say, oh, that's not a real language. And, you know, that's a script and, you know, things, <laughs> um, things like that. Um, but no, I, at that point, I, I pretty much, knew that from my experience that this, that this is going to become kind of one of the, the you know, C sharp is going to become the, the dominant language. And, um, and then I started sort of thinking, yeah, this is great. But you know, one of the things that struck me right away is that, you know, you had to install the .NET framework in order to get anything to run. And they were kind of having different versions of the libraries. And I could kind of, um, you know, the thing that I, I thought was going to be its big, um, you know, Achilles' heel is the fact that you have you're going to have to run this whole .NET framework setup steps before you could run a .NET application, and so you had this great platform for developers, but um, something that had a, a really big barrier to adoption, um, particularly when it comes when it would come to pushing out um, 
applications, uh, sort of shrink wrap applications, you know, stuff that's going to go out to the public, not not just in a controlled um, environment. So um, the very first product I made, and this is I was still a grad student at the time, which was called Zenacode. Um, it solved that problem and the other issue was the, um, the, the need for obfuscation of the code if you didn't want your source code um, to be out. So <clears throat> Zenacode, <coughs> the concept was, in a sense, it had many of the, um, you know, it had many of the things that would ultimately find their way into Spoon and later Turbo, um, except it was really just targeted to .NET. So it would package in the .NET framework with an application. Um, it also dealt with dependencies, so it walked through all the dependencies in the um, in the .NET library and linked them in. So you could, you know, so you could link them. And essentially, you could allow you to deploy the app as, as one uh, one big binary that was guaranteed to run on the endpoint. So that was sort of, um, you know, it, it was very targeted to .NET, but it had in many forms sort of the proto versions of many of the things that would ultimately um, uh, become some of the some of the defining traits of what are today called containers. Uh, no, I, it's, it's fascinating to hear the, the the history you mentioned there around .NET. I mean, I remember those days as well myself of when the framework first came out, um, and enterprises wondering how the hell they were going to get this out to um to their to their yep. endpoint machines. I I echo the, the 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 pain there was around that. You know, managing what version was deployed versus what's required, and then of course you know Microsoft had that one click deployment nightmare. Um, yep. that very rarely worked so yeah no you're speaking my language absolutely <laughs> yeah. well, and it's it's one of these things where uh uh so, so let me maybe let me tech from a business side you know at that point i was a grad student i um i think uh one thing that's a little bit unusual is i, I do not come from a you know, i come from a, a math and an engineering background by training and maybe by disposition as well um, at that point, I'd never run it. You know, you know, you hear a lot of people say, I've always wanted to run a business. I was always, you know, you know, I was selling a lemonade stand, you know, I was doing a lemonade stand when I was a kid. Uh, and I was never running any of those things. I was, I was, you know, a computer nerd reading math books, um, and looking at airplanes. Um, so, you know, one thing that, uh, Zenicode, uh, you know, we, you know, we were fortunate in that it, it did touch on a real hot spot and a real pain point. So Zenicode as my first business that I was running, and this is actually kind of at the tail end of while I was finishing up my, um, my PhD. It, you know, the, the nice thing is it solved one of these really, really, really targeted, well-defined problems that everybody who was using .NET had. Um, so, uh, you know, it let me have a, a success early on. Um, at some point, um, it, it was, you know, it's a little hard to get exact numbers on this, but there's sort of anecdotal evidence that probably about 50% of the software that was being produced for .NET early on was being packaged in Zenicode, uh, which, was, which was impressive for uh, something being operated out of my studio apartment um, in Berkeley uh, for um, uh, a major framework. But, um, no, it was, it was a very successful product. And it, it actually, you know, I describe Zenicode as our Series A. So what we were, what we did with Zenicode, you know, basically, you know, led us. Um, well, it actually had two big effects. It led me to um, start start a company uh, instead. You know, my my initial plan is to go back to you know, work at academia or go back to work at Microsoft or you know work at Google or something. Uh, at the at the time that I was at Berkeley, about you know, I think more than half the people in my lab went off you know went off to become Google scientists or something. Um, but at, by the time I graduated. Um, I, I was actually making, you know, making enough money for it to be my full-time job um, on the Zenicode stuff. So that was the point where I decided to start a company around it and, um, uh, and then started to sort of carry that concept forward. Um, so, uh, no, so it was an, it was an important, uh, it was an important product and, and you, and you see many of the generalizations. So the very first generalization we knew we could make was, well, if I can package up .NET apps this way, this is great. But I should be able to package any Windows, any you know, any Windows application this way. So that sort of was what we worked on for the next, um, uh, you know, that was the next couple of years, two or three years, where we generalized it. And that was right around the time uh, when you had a, a Finstall was coming out, and there were about ten other um, 
products, similar products, and and the term, you know, the term app virtualization was introduced. Um, so it was kind of the the birthing period of that um, that class of technologies. So it was, it was a fun it was a fun time, and, and we did a lot of good work um, uh, in our Zenicode days. Uh, it's amazing hearing how so um, I, your story kind of. So I was, I was sorry, I, I was to cut across. I was just going to say it's amazing how um, you, uh, you you started off with looking at the .NET framework and you kind of snowballed into the application virtualization slash application layering um, market space right yeah. on the right on the on the on the on the key point of when it was about to kick off. Yeah, and actually, I'll tell you, it's another thing is um, people would early on because it was called Zenicode early on. And they said, uh, and this is also, by the way, when Zen was taking off. Um, and uh, a lot of people thought, uh, oh, are you related to Zen or you must have copied Zen? And I actually went back and looked. I think we, uh, Zen server, the Zenicode Zen, I think we filed our trademarks like on almost the same day to the day. Um, even though I had no idea that Zen existed and I'm sure they had no idea that Zenicode existed. Um, and of course they were, uh, not, no, not really the same thing, but. It was sort of a funny. Uh, it was an interesting time, I think, in, uh, uh, and it certainly, you know, transformed. It, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do Spoon or wouldn't have been able to do Turbo um, had it not been and for those kind of, um, uh, you know, a combination of of timing and circumstances uh, early on. I get that. Okay, so I mean, obviously, this this all started in your in your hotel room in Berkeley. I mean, to give us a, a an idea of how this company has grown. I mean, where are you guys based now? And and, and you know, so uh, right now, how, 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 how... yeah. So right now we're based in Seattle, um, and we just uh, opened an office in Eastern Europe um, in Warsaw. So we do a lot of um, uh, a lot of our hacking operations, for lack of a better word, out in uh, Eastern Europe. And at the moment, and we have a large remote. Um, distributed team as well. Um, and <laughs> our next project later this year is a office on the East Coast that will uh, probably be located um, in, in the Tampa or Fort Lauderdale area in, uh, in Florida. And um, so it's, it's become a little bit more of a complex operation uh, since, since, since the, the good days when I was just my studio apartment and rent, the rent was lower. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So for our listeners, um, you know, who kind of don't know what Turbo is, can you kind of give them an overview um, about Turbo? Yeah. So, well, let me, um, so let me quickly, I'll go through the, because we, we, we let off our story kind of at the prehistory. Um, so the, so I'll go through a little bit about where Turbo came from and, and what, it, what it is today. Um so, uh, you know, going through our app vert days, you have a thing that's going to package up applications and, and let you run them on any um, on any computer. And, and you know, we needed we the, the concept that we had around um, for the company went beyond you know, even what's today's you know what's called in that app virtualization box. Okay, so we knew we had a we saw immediately there was a few problems. So one of them is that if you wanted to run an application. Uh, you had to download the whole package. So, you know, if you wanted Word, you had to download this, you know, two gigabyte um, thing. So we wanted what ultimately became Turbo to be a web scale application platform. And what do I mean by web scale? So that means we wanted this to be something that could be offered at a low price over the internet. And that's a, and that's a very different um, than uh, I think pretty much all the other uh, products in that, you know, in terms of how that drives many of your, of your design decisions. So for example, one of the big things um, uh, about the turbo is, you know, it's, for example, is that it doesn't require administrative privileges. It doesn't use device drivers. Okay. So that wasn't just an arbitrary type of you know, decision for fun. It was specifically because, you know, if we, if we knew, for example, if we wanted to make a web scale service, we couldn't assume that users had um, permissions on the device. And we couldn't also, we couldn't assume that the user was technically sophisticated. So whereas many other, you know, some of the product like AppV, which is, was always sort of intended to be uh, an enterprise uh, type product for a managed desktop, or that was certainly its orientation um, from sort of day one in the DNA of Turbo, it has always been about 
how to deliver applications over the web quickly. And I'll sort of add to, what, what, for lack of a better term, sort of mom and pop users. So non-sophisticated um, users. Uh, so something that wouldn't require um, uh, technical skills. In fact, should have, you know, actually would lower the bar, make it much easier to um, install and manage and maintain software um, do it over the web and do it for people, do it on unmanaged devices and heterogeneous devices. Um, as well, when you're dealing with your internet, you have to deal with uh, variable uh, connection bandwidths, variable latencies, um, variable device types. Um, so all these kinds of sort of heterogeneous or, or strongly heterogeneous um, networking scenarios. Um, and we want to create, as the name implies, we want to be, make it, it, it should be fast, it should be quick. So that led us, and, and this is that led us to sort of develop AppVert um, to support these kinds of, of scenarios. So around that specifically, we built a streaming engine which is very efficient over wide area networks. So it deals, it's, you know, has a lot of network optimizations around um, uh, dealing with high latencies and, and things like that. Um, our uh, state management, our storage and state management um, is designed to work over high latency, you know, wide area networks with distributed synchronization and um, differential protocols and things to move the data around and sync, um, sync machine state. And then also if you just look at the design of the product, I, I have been told, or, or some people have spontaneously um, come up with it, said, oh, you know, Turbo seems like containers for the people. Uh, and I, I think that's actually a really good, um, maybe a really good way to summarize all of those concepts. So uh, talking about containers, so big, big point is Turbo does have a full container engine. So it's not, you know, it, there's an AppVert engine, which is sort of the core, but wrapped around that is a, is everything that you would sort of file under the, under the containers category. So, you know, you can uh, manage containers, push containers, hub, all those kinds of concepts are are in the turbo system. Um, it is containers for desktop applications. It's heavily oriented around desktop applications, although it will run server applications. And that's very relevant for obviously for Citrix um, users. Citrix, you know, we're I guess mainly interested in the desktop application world. Um, but I really like that people uh, spontaneously started calling it uh, containers for the people, um, and that's because maybe the, the most important criteria that we had was this is something that's going to just work over a web page and be very easy to use. So it meant that, um, you know, in terms of how the user experience is designed and how the web experience is designed, we had to, you know, we, we had to do things that was really just, hey, choose an app and push, hey, I want this, I want this, check, 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 and now push all these, you know, um, push all these apps onto my machine. Uh, and I think that's maybe the most salient thing that you'll notice if, when you're using Turbo. Um, is you can, you know, and I was, I've been following uh, some of the feedback and with some of our preview um, uh, preview users that we've introduced it to, and it's really great when you see things like, oh, I went to the site, I had my 20 apps were up and running in five minutes, which is, you know, I went so I went from knowing nothing about Turbo to having it completely deployed and installed in five minutes, right? And that was really uh, our goal. You know, make something that's that's that. Yeah, there's powerful technology underneath there, but it's it's wrapped in a user experience that makes it very very easy to um, uh, to get started. And then once you're started, makes it very very easy uh, to do things like manage patches, manage updates, um, to customize containers without needing to um, you know uh, learn a complex. Um, you know, learn a complex uh, container language or a complex, um, you know, architecture or system. And, and again, something that can be deployed um, with a very light touch on the device. So you really don't have to put anything um, on the device. to. Uh, and then uh, maybe leaning a little more towards the Citrix discussion, you know, there's, um, there's just the one binary that, that you run uh, that doesn't require admin and um, is a very... Uh, uh, low touch thing when you're, you're when you of course when you're running um, the containerized versions of applications or the turbo versions, <coughs> the um, the applications they'll look and act installed, but they actually are zero touch on the system. So you you're not polluting your uh, um, 
uh, you're not polluting the the application server when you're running a Turbo app, which is which is really nice because when you don't want the app there anymore, it you know it goes away it goes away cleanly and reliably every time. Nice. So you you kind of told us you know the kind of the history behind Turbo and you know what uh, what what Turbo does, and you guys gone through some name changes. You know, first it was it was Xenocode, yep. and then it was Spoon, and now it's uh, Turbo. So um, I kind of get the the name change from from Xenocode to Spoon, but why Spoon to Turbo? Yeah, so Spoon was, uh, so this is an interesting point. So, um, yeah, Xenocode to Spoon, we, it was a transition. Xenocode, as I mentioned, started out as a developer tool. So it really was a developer audience. So we said, okay, if we're going to do this service, you know, we need a username, we need a friendly username and a friendly thing. Um, and so we were using the name Spoon, um, and so we had Spoon as a service. It, uh, Spoon did not have, at that time, it had the AppVert engine and it had the streaming engine and it had some data sync and it had some elements of the app library. Um, but it was more of a special, like a sort of a specific set of apps that you could run on Spoon. Um, and we also licensed out um, some of the, uh, the engine technologies to, um, to some OEMs. Uh, what happened, <clears throat> what it turned out with Spoon is that there were certain applications that were very, very, very popular um, to run on Spoon and other things that really weren't as popular. Uh, and we did not envision Spoon as being a sort of a platform. So Spoon, I would, say, I would describe it more as here's a, a set of hosted apps versus really being a container engine and a container platform. And, uh, and, so, and so in Spoon, you sort of had applications that you can package and stream and push over the web. Um, but it didn't you know, it, 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 which was a major step forward from Zenic, from what Zen, the Zenicode capabilities were. But the product itself to, sort of took on its own character. Um, there, and there's still Spoon, people still use Spoon today, especially it's very popular for browser testing, for example. And we did do have a Selenium grid and things like that. It actually really became very popular as a testing product. Um, so we were doing Spoon and we have sort of a Spoon audience. Um, and we shipped uh, our... Uh, our container engine about a year ago and we realized when we did the container engine work and we did many of the other things around the container system, it became clear to us that this really was a new product. This was something that um, had a distinct audience, had a distinct set of capabilities. It was going to be used in, in very distinct ways. Um, we saw, for example, like, yes, uh, just on uh, um, uh, apropos to, to this podcast, that wow, this is going to be an amazing combination product with other products. So wow, this would make Citrix a lot better. This would make you know uh, AppV or or AppVolumes or Unidesk. You know, this would make them all of these types of systems a lot better, as well as other things, other things that you do because of the container engine. So we said, wow. So um, and, and we had done a major update and sort of major additions on on the website, which didn't exactly mesh with the way that people were using Spoon. It didn't really mesh with the Spoon brand. So we said at this point, you know, this is there's by the time we were done, there were so many new applications, new user bases, new types of integration that we thought that uh, really shipping that as a new brand would make more sense. Uh, and I really like the term Turbo. Um, actually, I, I like the name. <laughs> actually, I like the name Spoon as well, but Turbo is even probably maybe even better because we like we like Turbo. We like things that go fast. Um, uh, but it also, you know, you know, a Turbo is something if it, for, for you familiar, you know, it, it's something you add to your existing you know engine to, that makes it more efficient, essentially. And in the case of Citrix, if you think about what we're doing with Citrix, you know, the story with Turbo is just, just hey. You, you, these you know, AppVert or uh, or containers, you know, you should view these not necessarily as things that are coming in. You're not going to replace your Citrix cluster. You're not going to replace your you know your VDI. You're not going to replace your app your uh, um, you know your, your app V necessarily with these. But we realize maybe in, for many of our users, the best use case for us is a way to take take your existing. Citrix deployment or your existing, you know, uh, VMware deployment or, or, or whatever it might be. And this is a thing that can take your existing um, infrastructure and make it work much better, much faster, much more secure. Um, so, 
you know, the, the turbo branding around that makes a lot of sense. And this is a thing that takes your existing um, applications and your existing uh, way of, of managing uh, both physical desktops and uh, hosted desktops um, and turbocharges it. You know, so it makes it makes your deployments faster. It makes testing faster. It makes maintenance faster. Uh, and um, you know the turbo brand we think really captures that in in a word. In fact, that's in a word it captures its main feature. It's going kind to of make no matter what you know, no matter what technology stack you're using and what products you're using and, and how you're or even within Citrix if you're doing VDI if you're doing Zen App, Turbo is something that's, that's going to make all aspects of of application delivery and application maintenance faster. It's Turbo. I, I see what you did there. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it does. I, I, I echo what you said there. I, I really like the name change too. Um, spoon. Yes, it, I, I, yeah, the spoon was good. I mean, there was the there the, there was the there is no spoon kind of um, kind of yeah. tie back to it. But I, I liked it. I, I like the turbo integration um, yeah. feature. We, we turbo charging. And we still run Spoon as so there was a sort of hardcore audience of Spoon users, and we still run Spoon for those users. So. Uh, we just sort of took what was hot about Spoon and left that there, and then moved all of the new stuff into the into the Turbo product. And they and it's as well as a very different product as well. I mean, they're they're running off the same engine. Um, uh, in fact, you almost think of Spoon sort of as an application built on top of Turbo. But I would describe Turbo perhaps a little bit more as a platform um, uh, than than Spoon sort of as being more of a uh, tailored product. Understood. Oh, so I mean, you mentioned on the way through there uh, the uh, the integration with VMware and Citrix or whoever you're currently operating. I know there's been a, there, uh, Twitter and uh, has been a buzz with, with Turbo and Citrix in the last couple of days. Many blog posts from David yep. Breddy and from from um, Eric and Zenap yep. blog about you know Turbo yeah. integration yeah. with with Zenap. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with the, with the Citrix integration piece? Yeah. So I'll tell you the 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 Turbo Citrix work. Um, came about uh, really just from a, some informal conversations I was having with people in um, in end user computing, and I you know there was a, once in a while you have these kind of eureka moments when you're talking to a lot of people and they're all you know they're all saying certain things that strike me as a little bit strange you know so here here will be one of them and I'll be talking about some Citrix some of the Citrix um, folks that I talked to but you know you would hear things like. Uh, Oh no, we have a guy on our on the on the Citrix team, and you know his main job is to patch Chrome. You know, so you know the Chrome patch comes out every two days, and and his job is to you know update, you know make the script and update it and do this. I said, wow, that sounds like something lots of places probably do, and have a guy that's job is to patch Chrome, right? So that seems a little strange to me. Um, other things you do, obviously, when you talk to people, you know, you're always hearing about issues like. Oh, we have to use siloing because you know A is not compatible with B, and um, there's this whole sort of um, I don't want to say that you know a lot of these you know Citrix uh, desktops struck me as a kind of these Franken desktops that have to be you know the people have to go through all kinds of contortions to um, to make everything work um, and make all the apps play nicely together. And I was thinking, it's like you know this is something that uh, really could benefit from Turbo. And the more we sort of scratched and, and dug into the issues um, in terms of some of the feedback that we got from, from Citrix admins and from, the, and from the CTP community especially, it's been very helpful to us with that feedback. Um, it's something that almost, you know, we, we did a few briefings, but almost within the first week we had sort of, you know, it had legs on it. Um, so at that point, I knew, wow, this, uh, Citrix and Turbo, this is something that's going to happen. This is something that, that works really well together. And, you know, the, the, the big thing that you can do, I mean, if I summarize, if I had to summarize, you know, what's, what's, my, what's going to happen when I run Turbo is essentially you go, you go to Turbo. Um, so, so that's, Turbo. Turbo is about apps. Okay, so you have your Citrix, you know, you have your boxes, your machines. But ultimately, you know, you're running ZApp. It's to run apps. <laughs> and those apps can be desktop apps, and in many cases, there's many web apps. But Turbo is about apps. Um, so the ability to uh, quickly get apps provisioned on a machine, to get them unprovisioned on a machine, just important, 
um, also to patch them and maintain them. Uh, and Turbo essentially automates or makes nearly automated almost all aspects um, uh, of putting them on the machine, um, getting them off because because they're isolated. Doesn't it's very easy to to, um, to sort of to make that app sort of portable, come right off and move over to another server. And uh, very importantly, in the Citrix world, leave the base state of the server alone, so that, that you're never leaving that cold master image. And once you start, once you sort of start to do that, once you take the the sort of mutation of apps in vis-a-vis -vis their interaction with the desktop, and once you take those out and you sort of factor away the app from the underlying OS that it's running on, so you know it's just like a domino. It's a it's a it's a virtuous cycle where um, so many things that are uh, problematic for the Citrix administrator just go away. All right, so suddenly you're not worried about having, you know, if I don't have to worry about, you know, uh, app A and browser B and browser version C and Java in app D, if I don't have to worry about those things interfering with one another, and if I don't have to worry about installing Java on my, um, on my server, and then all of the different conflicts and maintenance requirements and patching and all the other things that are going to go along with that. As soon as you take that away, just that one element, you start to see just many, many, you know, problem after problem um, or maintenance task after maintenance task related to maintenance of Citrix server just goes away by definition, right? Um, so if I can run anything on any, and, and any machine side by side and they're containerized, you don't worry about siloing. So suddenly all of the work, you know, all the concern and, and uh, overhead around siloing, that just goes away. Um, so, and the experience itself using Turbo is very fast. And, and, and the nice thing is we hear very frequently that people have everything set up in less than five minutes and they have all their, you know, 20 or 30 things running and customized and isolated. Um, so it's, it's really nice. And I think that's an important um, trait in any product. Uh, there isn't a, a big, um, there isn't a big learning, uh, uh, learning curve or a big deployment hump. So you have users um, that are able with our system not only to say, you know, come in and say, yes, check, 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 I want A, B, C, D, E, F, G, these are the apps that I want. You push a button and suddenly they're completely configured on your Zen app server and pushed out to your Zen app server. So that's great. Um, not just that, but also being able to customize the, the apps. So one of the things that uh, is, is really popular is customizing browsers. So for example, within the context of the container, you can say, well, this browser needs to be this specific version, and I want it, to, it needs to have this version of Java, or this version of .NET, or this version of Silverlight, or this version of Flash. Um, and you go, literally, we've made that a, a web interface. You can just say, okay, create new browser, customize, check, 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 enter, boom, deploy, and you're done. And you'll have, let's say, you know, a... Uh, what they call site-specific browsers. So essentially a browser that's just designed to use a particular web application. Um, so uh, you no longer have to worry about um, Java security holes because you, you've isolated. So you can still use Java on that web app. So you don't have to worry about buying the new web app or the compat backwards compatibility web app. But you're also solving the security issue because that Java instance is containerized only running in that specific browser version that's designed to access a particular um, website that needs that that particular version of Java, that particular version of .NET. So that's a huge, and, and we've talked to people, that is a huge, huge headache um, with um, almost any Citrix deployment of, of, um, of significant size that we saw. The need for different applications to have different components and different um, uh, different security restrictions. And of course, you can assign permissions at that granularity um, and the, uh, also, so another major piece of feedback is the ability to, that we got, and we, we implemented this in Turbo as well, is the ability to dis design the network on a per application basis. So to use a concrete example, you can create a browser and you can say, well, this brow a browser container, I should say, I think so we containerize this browser and you can say, this browser can access these IP addresses and these hosts, but nothing else, right? And that's tremendously useful on just but from a security, from a user uh, permission standpoint, um, especially from a, a security standpoint where you may have a legacy system that needs 
you know, a legacy version of Java, which is going to open you up to security holes. Well, you can say, listen, I'm, I'm going to allow you to have this container, which can run this very specific web server. And these, I'm going to give you those components in that containerized environment. But otherwise, it's not going to touch the rest of the Internet. And that uh, containerized uh, process is not going to interact with any of the other processes on the, on the Zen app server. So that's something, particularly around the IP, um, IP routing customization, where we're seeing huge, huge interest. Um, and that's on the additive side, but it's also on the subtractive side. So for example, in our office, uh, we have an ad blocking layer that we, that we push. So basically, and this is a routing rule that says no ad networks. And I, I do one for myself that says no social media. That's just a pro what I call the instant productivity uh, uh, boost. Just a you know, turns on an IP routing rule that kills all the social media sites just off the browser container. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I actually, I actually says like, if every company bought just a, uh, bought us just for that one thing, it would probably have a, one of the highest ROIs. Would be my conjecture. Um, but uh, that's that's turning out to be a tremendously um, uh, tremendously valuable to the Citrix community. So you, you kind of uh, touched there, you know, on your security features with the routing and some of the isolation, you know, being able to say only this web browser with this version of these plugins only talk to this backend server, um, yep. along with the ad block that you said that you had um, and, and those type of things. So it looks like, you know, some of your, your biggest, you know, differentiator from other players is those security slash isolation features yep. on how the application can talk to the backend network. Yep. Correct. Yeah, it's you know Turbo is architected very differently. Um, that's another secu and security feature, which is a little bit more of a nerd point. Um, but the fact that we designed it for the web means it runs completely user mode, so we're not putting on device drivers. Uh, and you can actually run uh, at these desktop apps as unprivileged um, users, which is which is also very good for security. Um, also happens to make it much easier to deploy. Uh, you just you know, it's really just like an executable you run. Um, but in terms of security, I mean, obviously security is a whole universe of products. Um, but in a sense, one of the most basic things you can do with security is just, you know, just limit your exposure surface area. So if you're going to have to install Java, and the, and the truth is you're not, you can't, at least for, for the immediate future, you're not, you're not going to be able to just get rid of Java. In most companies, if you have stuff that depends on Java or depend on .NET or depend on software X. So... Our approach to that is okay. Yeah, we can take that and we can mitigate, you know, many or most, if not all, of the security issues around using those technologies simply by restricting the scope of uh, of, of where a particular piece of software can interact with the internet. Um, you know, it it actually, if you do this thought experiment, the really crazy thing is to have one web, you know, the traditional way is, you know, you have one web browser and then that web browser, that one process interacts with everything, right? So you go to Facebook, you go to your enterprise, you know, your enterprise portal, you go to this, you go to that. It's all going to one, um, vulnerable, well, one centralized point of vulnerability where you also have all the different plugins, uh, which is actually really crazy if you think about it, because no one, no one, uh, in other contexts, you would never suggest mixing, um, sensitive data and unsensitive uh, data plus, you know, whatever else people are doing on the, <coughs> whatever else people are doing on the internet and, you know, mixing them up all into the same, um, into the same application. So you would think of this as simply, it, in a sense, it's like siloing, um, but it avoids the need to have, you know, it's, si it's siloing just with uh, using containers and doing that all on a single physical box. So you don't have to worry about actually, um, you know, disjoint servers and all of the, and all of the sort of management overhead that goes. And this, incidentally, this is a problem that many Citrix people solve with siloing. You know, they have different silos, um, both for either for application compatibility or for um, for security purposes, and or for or certain apps only run certain silos or what have you. And it says this is making allowing you to achieve much simpler management and probably higher server density, significantly higher server density, simply by allowing you to, to do that, but using containers and, and you can run all of those things on a single uh, homogeneous um, base server configuration. 
Very good. Okay, so yeah, I I, I get it. I, I I can I can I can hear the story as it goes along. I mean, Turbo is a is a fascinating product. I've been I've been keeping an eye on it for for quite some time. And uh, what what's it, what's interesting is really the explosion of features and functionality that we've seen from a CTP mm-hmm. point of view, and and, and yeah. how the product has grown and stretched and morphed over time. Um, you know, is this because of how the product is architected? You can be this kind of um uh. Uh, you can be so quick to turn uh, how the product ah. is being steered. Or, oh, so yeah, I'm, well, I'm really trying to figure out how you, how you, how you, how are you making these changes so quickly? So <laughs> how do we pump out stuff every other week? Yeah. So uh, no, well, we have a great team. That's, that's for one. But no, the, the important thing is that a lot of the work um, that we're doing on Turbo, it's interesting. Almost everything we've done at some point or another was a research feature or experimental feature in Spoon many of which we didn't necessarily ship. So in many cases, we're getting feedback and we're saying, or we had some version of that functionality in Spoon. Um, so we had some um, network virtualization capability in our in Spoon. Um, and then you know, we got all this feedback that the having rich IP routing rules or enriching the IP routing rules that we had available would have a lot of great applications. So in many cases, we're able to go back into our, um, into our chest of of discarded um, or prototype research ideas and 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 you know dust them off and um, and and roll them into the product. So uh, it may look like oh that was oh how did you do that in a week? And that may be something that we had worked on for several months or or more uh, you know a year or two ago and just didn't make the cut for Spoon. Um, other in other cases, there product there are things that are actually in the product already. And we, we like to do a lot of, um, you know, our, 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 our product cycle, our test cycle, um, um, is, is sort of agile style. So we do, um, a lot of times we have a feature in the product and it may have been in the product for months or years even. And we only sort of announce it once we've decided we're going to commit to the feature or we may have tweaked the, the UX into the feature, then we'll, we'll publicly, talk about it but we like to we like to we like to live test the uh, the features as much as possible and that's that's really really helpful especially you know for any for any product it's good but especially something like turbo uh where we're sort of bringing it into new um sort of new application domains like like citrix you know using it in, in mixing it with the citrix world where you know we're learning a lot about um all of the you know all of the ugly little details of what happens when you take any technology and you put it in a new environment. So, uh, so we like to put things out. We like to get um, feedback from um, from real users, from power. Really, the power users really tell you what um, what you need to do, and they'll they'll point out all the little friction points. And and for Citrix, for example, we you know we 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 did some private briefings with the CTP community. And the CTP have been actually it's a really uh, you know really great community. It's, they're very great about uh, listening, giving feedback, and they give you frank feedback. And um, uh, in a sense, I'd say a lot of a lot of the the frequency and pace and and you, things that you've seen there on Turbo with the sort of Citrix oriented features comes. It's just a, a mirror uh, sort of ref- reflection of the um, uh, of the rigorousness of, of the CTP community giving us the feedback. So, so that's, that's been great. And that is actually great. It makes a great product and it makes it, it makes our jobs much, much easier. Um, so, um, but yeah, Turbo, we, uh, you know, it is designed to be updated, um, in, in a frequent manner and updates, I should mention, you know, uh, you were talking about sort of Turbo versus other kinds of things. Updates, are a first-class object in Turbo. So, you know, in many, in our old Zenico days or our old Spoon days, um, and the same goes for something like, like, you know, like FinApp or FE or whatever, it's, you know, in the past, the vendor kind of dumped these tools on you. So they said, <clears throat> boom, here's a bunch of tools, now package stuff, right? Um, and uh, a lot of times, you know, you go through the, the demo that you see or the thing that you walk through is, oh, okay, I built my app and I pushed it out. Okay, great. Um, but the reality for companies is you don't spend most of your time building apps. You spend most of your time patching apps, right? So you're patching apps at a much higher frequency than introducing completely new apps into your system. Um, that, that's the st- that's the steady state once you're past the initial um, implementation phase. So Turbo is very very 
friendly and robust around updates and doing, you know, introducing new versions. So just to give you an example. So in Turbo, you can actually say with all of the TurboNet content that it's coming from our website, you can say, I want to have Chrome. I want to be always running Chrome latest. And you will always have Chrome latest. And when the patch comes out, you'll just be patched. Um, administrators, as you know, administrators want to be able to control that as well. You as an administrator can say, okay, I want to test this version. Okay, I accept this version. Okay, let's update everyone. Um, but Turbo goes beyond that. Turbo will actually, um, it, so it lets you do a few things. So it'll let you side-by-side -side run things. So if I want to stay on version, you know, what, I don't know what version of Chrome we're on now because it's every whatever. So let's say Chrome 45, you can continue running Chrome 45 at the same time you're testing Chrome 46. So you're seeing there, you know, side-by-side. -side. Now when you roll to Chrome 46, we actually produce a fork off automatically of of all of the container state that's at 45. So if you go from, let's say, Chrome 45 to 46, and for whatever reason, you know, your critical app blows up, you can actually roll back completely your state back to the Chrome 45 state. Um, so you have this kind of safe rollback capability. Um, and uh, which I, I conjecture that we, there was a, actually something that blew up with it. There was an Adobe update that came out the other day that nuked your, uh, I don't think it nuked a, folder, a system folder. Um, so you have things like that. Um, and you can do that, you know, with system system backup and restore. But Turbo is letting you do that at an app granularity, which is a, a much uh, much easier unit to control than doing full system backups every time you you patch an app. Um, and the Turbo architecture internally has a similar kind of has kind of similar kind of layout. So we can push we can actually push out updates to our VM, for example, and keep running um, older. Um, specific apps on an older version of VM, so we're able to do app updates um, in a kind of low risk and high frequency manner. So it reflects our our philosophy on patching is that it, patching shouldn't be scary, and the, the cost of doing a patch and the risk of doing a patch should be very low. So, um, any hints to what's um, what's coming? You know, any future updates for Turbo or anything you can share oh, yeah. with the listeners? <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot. There's a lot. So. Um, the most important thing, actually, is we haven't officially re released our sort of. We actually haven't a, a sort of officially launched um, Turbo um, and Turbo for Citrix as well. Um, as you know, as we've still been rolling in a lot of the feedback items, um, so we have to get our official launch out of the way. Um, we have a lot of stuff coming. If you follow our um, Turbo Build, which is our automated um, system that puts out new images, um, there's a lot of new content coming out there. Um, we have. Um, we have some some I would say incremental updates on the on the web UX. We're doing um, a lot of things around Teams and uh, making it easier to manage um, clusters of servers as well as clusters of people, which are Teams. Um, so I think we'll be doing some interesting things um, there. Uh, but you know, short term, our 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 biggest um, our, our, we're sort of at the point where we think we've we've had. You know, we've heard the major feedback items from our early Citrix users. So a big part of the next um, uh, the next couple months for us will be probably more about um, introducing Turbo to uh, uh, to the wider Citrix community, not just sort of the not not to, not the elites like you guys. Um, so that'll be um, that'll be a, a big part of of the next couple months for us, and. Um, and then down the road, I think we're going to be doing some amazing things around, um, you know, app portability. So we think it's very powerful that you're able to move an app um, um, very easily, whether it's between Citrix and whether it's between, you know, um, on-prem or a host environment or on the local execution environment. And Turbo plays very nicely into these kinds of scenarios that, again, going back to the sort of heterogeneous design philosophy, where, where workloads can be moved um, easily between not just devices, but different platforms. So I think that'll be something that we'll be looking at um, down the road that could be, that could be very exciting. Um, so I, I think there'll be plenty, um, plenty of fun. But honestly, I'll tell you, a lot of the best things that we do come from, come from our, uh, our customers. Uh, they just come to me and they say, Kenji, I really, I really would love if you could do X and this would, you know, this would change my life. So we, we like to do those things as well. Mm. So, so for, for our listeners, final, final. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was saying, so for our listeners that want to give uh, Turbo uh, a try, how, how can they get a, hand, a hold of it and, and give it a try in their environment? Very easy. Go to turbo.net. 
So Turbo.net, and uh, you, you install a plugin, and you can run everything there. Uh, you So Turbo.net includes a free seven-day trial, and that's for the personal account. Um, you can get a, a, a professional account, which is sort of the upgraded personal user account. And then if you're on your, when you're logged in, if you're going to deploy it in a team context or you want to push it out to a server, you can create an organization. So you say new org, create the org, and that's where you can add in, you know, multiple devices, multiple users. Um, and we're also putting up um, some free content that's sort of, um, will be, uh, you know, sort of perpetually free. Uh, so we have some uh, personal type, you know, and things and tools um, that are free. And then we're also doing a free Citrix channel. And we're, we're, we're building that. We're getting some feedback on what should go into the free Citrix channel, but we're putting in some, um, somebody has suggested sort of tools that every Citrix admin uses. Uh, we've actually working with uh, Eric and some of the others on that. Um, uh, actually, I'll, I'll mention a few things that we will definitely have on our, uh, whether free or paid Citrix channels, but we know people want to be able to run the old ICA clients. They want to be able to run the different admin tools. They want to be able to run the NetScaler admin um, containerized, so you know, guaranteed to work. Um, so uh, actually, the community has been great about um, putting together a lot of the, I think, what they described as must-haves for the Citrix administrator, uh, where you'll just have those as available as sort of prefabricated channels, and you can say, click, yeah, I want this, and boom, they appear on your um, on your box, or you can run them, or, or you can run them at home remotely. I have to say, it's a it's a it's a phenomenal story that you you guys have been through, um, and uh, the the the. The, the name change and the, the the change of focus. I mean, it's, it's all sounds very agile. I mean, and from from a Citrix administrator point of view, I mean, allowing them to break out of that uh, that mundane monotony of uh, of application lifecycle management uh, of you know yeah. deploy patch does it work does it not where can I have access to a library how can I put this stuff together wait a second there's a product over here called Turbo and it pretty much does everything I wanted to do where can, where can I play you know it's a it's yeah. a it's a phenomenal story and it's it's it, it's been you know from from the from the back channels in the CTP it's been phenomenally received um so uh, you know for anybody out there who has not looked at Turbo at the moment and is getting a pain in their backside with this kind of stuff it is now time to start looking at Turbo, my friends. Um, as 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 Kenji mentioned there, Turbo.net. Sign up, and in a few minutes, you're going to be running your own packages from from Turbo itself. It's uh, it is that simple. And obviously, our, our good friend on frontline chatter, Rory Monahan, obviously moved over to join you guys, uh, which yeah. was uh, oh, which was a great. <laughs> that that's it right there. You know, everybody loves Rory, and he's a uh, he's he's uh, he's he's jumped into into uh, turbo now full time to, to focus on it so if 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 ever there was a reason to look at a product that's probably it you know yeah. <laughs> because rory yeah, was so rory stoic and so independent yeah he is and he knows yeah well he's, you know the irish you're the irish uh mm. no he's actually he's on twitter and actually rory's a great uh he goes off and um uh, kind of um so he has some formal work that he does for us as well but he's always uh, you know he really understands he's worked in the industry for a long time so he understands a lot of the details um, he's very active on social media as well, so he's a great uh, <clears throat> he's a great source for information or just discussion. And I follow uh, no that that all that information comes back up to me. Uh, actually, speaking of Twitter, um, so yeah, go to TurboNet. You can try it out for free. Um, I know our, our MVPs and uh, so what are we doing? MVPs and CTPs and V experts um, and and CGC leaders can get free accounts to uh, to play with. Um, and Rory can actually set you up with those, or I can set you up with those. Um, some important Twitter feeds to follow. So Turbo HQ is our sort of master. Uh, that that'll give you up to the minute news. There's also a blog blog at TurboNet. Um, it has the long form articles, and that's a pretty active um, news source. Um, Rory's actually does a lot of sort of back channel discussion. If you want to follow the back channel, Rory's great to follow. Uh, my Twitter is Turbo Kenji Turbo K E N J I. Um, mine's probably a little more boring. So Rory's more fun. He has baby photos and stuff. Um, um, but those are great sources <laughs> for information if you want to, uh, uh, if you want to uh, keep up with that. Actually, we've got a lot of a lot of our best ideas come just from those kinds of informal, you know, interactions on social media. So we really love um, we really love for people to do that. Um, also, now we have community people. People are actually, you know, you can you can put up apps and you can submit them to our hub. So a lot of times, you know, don't be shy. If there's tools that you really think should be on Turbo and you want to make it really easy um, for your coworkers, you can build those. We have instructions. Actually, we're updating our docs today to, with some of the feedback. Um, but you can build your own apps. 
Uh, and I know uh, some of the Citrix community people have been putting together containers that they're publishing. And then once those are up in the hub, you can actually make them public and share them. So uh, make life make life easier for your fellow um, Citrix administrator. Uh, you know, with those tools, uh, with the tooling um, that, that's popular for you guys. Very nice. So awesome. So you know, we'll make sure to keep uh, or put the info and some links into our our. Um blog post that goes along with, with this podcast when we publish it that way you know those communities out there like the ctp nvp v expert my cugc uh, and so forth um know how to get yeah. access to to turbo to to give it a test drive and give you guys some feedback to help further push along um turbos enhancements and and roadmap yeah and i know those guys love free stuff you guys man free just put free and learn how to promo anything yeah, yeah, absolutely. If it's free, it's for me. <laughs> uh, just one question we, uh, before we wind down the podcast. This is a question we like to ask everybody, and it, it okay. always turns out uh, to be very interesting. Uh, you know, away from Turbo and away from end-user computing and away from application packaging, you know, you, you obviously have a broad um, spectrum of interests, but, you know, what market or technology are you keenly watching at the moment and what excites you about? Well, well, this is uh, – I'm going to have to – well, maybe this may be less interesting to you, but as you mentioned, I, I am a pilot and I'm uh, very interested in aerospace engineering and things. So at the moment, uh, I've been working on some technologies around um, uh, low-altitude turbine engines. So these are sort of more reliable engines, but they're very fuel inefficient uh, when they're at low altitude. So I've been working on on uh, some technologies for that. So it's a little bit of a change of pace from end-user computing. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, at the moment, I'm working on some stuff around uh, um, fuel-efficient propulsion systems. Uh, wow. My, uh, I, uh, well, you know, I've been grounded for a while. I, I, had, uh, I was flying, and I uh, flew into, uh, uh, well, I should say, a flock of geese flew into me while I was landing. So I uh, busted up my propeller, and uh, so I've been waiting for that to get repaired. So uh, uh, while I've been stuck on the ground here, I've been... Uh, uh, you know, working, diddling on some some ideas I've had in, uh, around propulsion. So uh, I think there'll be uh, some fun work there, and I'm I'm really interested in the idea of uh, of developing uh, you know really fuel efficient, really fuel efficient, really environmentally efficient um, um, personal uh, yet yet also high speed uh, uh, personal air transport, uh, and also safety things, the uh, use of use of software to improve um, general aviation safety. You, your plane got hit by a flock of geese, and you're thinking about going back up again. Oh, wow! I, I, I admire your, your, I admire your cojones, sir. I, I, I fly regularly, and uh, if that were to happen to me, I'd be grounded. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> no, that's uh, it was it was some very very bad luck. Uh, so that was, but it, but most people don't don't know no, but bird strikes are routine. Like there'll be one today somewhere. So uh, and it happens on on commercial aircraft. Actually. In, in a uh, in, uh, type of aircraft, no, a propeller aircraft, piston aircraft like mine, it's not as big a deal. Um, in jet engines, you can, you can really, uh, um, if you're having a really bad day, you know, that, that was you know, uh, Captain Sully. You know, yeah, that's exactly one. what happened. There. Double, double bird ingestion into the day. But yeah, jet engine, you have uh, much higher RPMs. Um, and those, those blades, you know, if you get a foreign object into those blades, it's, your, your life's going to get exciting. Real quickly, so uh, piston prop. It's a, it's a thing that happens. Uh, uh, you know, it, it you know birds fly low. It's it's a rare thing. It was just some really. Uh, uh, I, I was actually out in the boon. I was I was a funny story. I was delivering a uh, a guy that he's a, one of the senior captains for Alaska Airlines. He lives up in the San Juan Islands nearby Seattle. So I was I was flying him up. Um, uh, to, it's kind of a backcountry strip. You know, out in the middle of the forest, so it was a little bit of a, um, yeah, it was it was fun times there for a little bit. But the prop was okay, and we brought it back. But but those props, they're they're composite. These composite props are very, uh, you know, once they get uh, uh, any of the epoxy exposed, they they have to go into the shop. So uh, fortunately, this is what we have insurance. It's all insured. Everything's fine. We're fine. Actually, the bird, the geese aren't fine. But uh, <laughs> only geese were <laughs> injured in this uh, in this accident. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, I can't use that normal displeasure that you know that. Oh no, no, no animals were harmed. So unfortunately, a few a few geese were uh, uh, turned into down. But um, <laughs> uh, I, that that just puts loads of mental pictures in the head. <laughs> but however, yeah, I, it, 
if you want, I have pictures. And uh, yeah, my mom, my mom asked, how many geese did you hit? I was like, well, I'm not sure. Here's a picture. Uh, how many geese can you count? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's kind of a, yeah, it looks like someone, someone you know, cut open a, uh, a comforter uh, <laughs> over the threshold. Wow. So, but it's, um, glad, it's glad everyone is safe, you know, feel bad well, for the geese. Yeah, but... A bird strike is, yeah, just, yeah, it's just a thing that happens. And uh, it, it was funny because I just got the paint painted. Uh, it just been painted. It was the first trip that I was painted. So anyways, just got it perfect. So that's that's life, I guess. That is life. Uh, that is life. Okay, well, before we close on the podcast, I just wanted to thank our sponsors, uh, FS Logics and Liquidware Labs, for letting us do what we do because you guys are awesome. And uh, I'll hand over to Jerry. And um, just before I go, uh, Kenji, this was a fascinating podcast. Uh, I'm sure people out there who are stuck in this mundane uh, humdrum are going to hop onto the Turbo website now with, with great, with great exuberance to try to see yes, if they can free up some time to start doing the stuff that they want to do. Yeah, bring, bring some turbo in your life. And it was great being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you again, Kenji, for coming on and, and um, letting our li- listeners be exposed to, to you and, and the turbo and um, your interesting backstory. So um, for our listeners, um, thank you for listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast. Um, Andy, uh, have a great day. Kenji, thank you again. And we'll talk to you next time.